Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of The Disciples Quest. My name is Justin. I'm William. And I'm very excited to bring you guys the second section of Romans chapter 3. We'll be reading from verse 19 all the way down to verse 31. Before we get into that section today, which will be really good to hear because there's one of the most infamous Bible verses in there, and I'd love to break that down. Uh, William, how was your week? All in all, my week was pretty good. I mean, I had a couple of like things that happened this week that kind of mm, kind of set us back. Like we, uh, so I guess I'll tell you a quick story. Um, sure. Uh, we brought our car in to a I won't say which one, but to a mechanic, and because the brakes were soft, basically, and it's like so. If, for those of you that don't know what that means, I'm sure most people do, but for those of you that don't know what that means, it just means that the brakes are like going down too low to the ground. And so the brakes were soft, so we brought it into that mechanic, and the mechanic uh, took a look at it and said, it, oh, we're going to need to do this, 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 and this. Uh, basically, it's like there's air in the brakes, and the back brakes are out of alignment, and a couple other things. And so we fixed that, and it came out to like $700. And, um, and then as I was coming to pick it up, they called me back and then just said, oh, oh, Will, I, I, oh, man, I got to break it to you, man. It's just... Man, like it, everything that we did, all seven hundred dollars worth of work, did absolutely nothing, and the brakes are still really soft. And so here's what we're gonna have to do. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, and I'm like, and he's like, yeah. I'm like, so wait, why didn't you think of checking the brakes before you called me to say the job had done and everything was in working order? And he's like, oh yeah, that's my bad. I forgot to do that. And I'm like, okay. And so, wow. Um, and then the next day he called me. I don't know. I don't know if it was my my skepticism, like my just overall like my my tone with him like I was a little bit annoyed I'm sure it he probably feel like feel that through my tone but then he was just like the next day he called me he was like oh okay we well, figure out what the problem was yeah my my mechanic buddy that was working on your car when he took off the uh the bleed screw that uh is in the brake line to yeah. uh bleed the brakes he just left it off and so it just filled out back up with air again oh my goodness Are you and he's serious? like yeah so we had to re-bleed that uh and then I'm like okay it seems like uh he's like, Yeah, he had no idea that would happen. And I'm like, huh. He didn't. Uh, he's like, Yeah, when I came when he came in today and I told him, like, hey buddy, don't you know we got to rebleed those? He's like, Did you put the screw back on? He's like, No, I didn't. He's like, Oh, don't you know we have to rebleed it now? Oh, really? He's like, Yeah, we do. He's like, So I had to talk with him, now everything's all good. And I'm like, Okay. So we drove it off the lot. Uh brakes are fine. I'm like, huh, okay, well, that's good. The brakes are fine. And plus there was a kind of a rattling noise. Pretty common in cars in Winnipeg. The roads are so bad that things get, just get kind of loose. Yeah. And the rattling nose is gone. So I guess when they took things apart and put it back together, they must have tightened everything. And and that was great. Started striving it. As soon as we take a turn, car chunk. We just hear metal scraping against metal from the front. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay. I'm actually, I think that only happened like two or three days in. But so it wasn't like right away. But now it was like every time we accelerated, every time we took it, well, not every time, uh, often when we accelerated or often when we just took a turn, regardless how soft it was, we just hear like a kerchunk or going over a speed bump mm-hmm. and it's like clunking around. And I was like, all right, so let's take it in again. And it wasn't doing that before you brought it in. No, it was not. It was like very like loud and so like obviously something, something is wrong. Um, that's what I thought. It actually probably wasn't. But so we took it in again uh, to a different mechanic and they're like, Ah, oh, 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 yeah. He's like, what? The, see, the issue is your now and okay. I should look this up because I didn't know what this was. But um, your power arm, the um, the links to your power arm, um, uh, the stabilizer links, yeah. just snapped. Um, because they're so worn and they're so old and uh, they're so worn out. Basically, not old, but they're worn out because of the weather. Apparently, uh, our roads. Like for smaller cars, you in Winnipeg, like you, you have to maintain them more frequently and things wear down quickly because like smaller cars are just not as strong and they can't hold up to quite the, uh, the, the stuff that we pushed, put them through in Winnipeg roads, uh, with potholes everywhere and things like that. But, um, but anyway, but I was like, it happened right after that repair. And he's like, yeah, he's like, he's probably just because when they lifted it into the air, um, the links just snap because they're too weak. I, I don't know what that means, but. I'm not sure how yeah, that would... Well, I mean, the Winnipeg roads, like, you're going to see things like your ball joints, sway bar, link kits. Uh, yeah, all pretty much all front-end issues. They're just going to occur more often with the Winnipeg vehicles. I told you, right, like, I had mm-hmm. my car for seven sure. years, and 
I spent two grand on front end stuff before I just stopped and said, yeah, it's just, there's just too much here. The value isn't enough to keep going because of how much, uh, how much beating those cars take on the front end from all the bad roads that we've got here. So oh, you spent two grand on your front end. Yeah. Okay. I don't feel that bad now. Yeah. I came out to a thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like 1700 in like a month that we spent on just trying to get the car fixed at soft brakes, um, busted front end stuff. Uh, he's like, he, he also mentioned that the guy would have definitely like, it was very obvious that everything was worn out and ready to go. He's like, I'm not sure why you didn't see that, but I'm, I'm sort of wondering if like the, maybe the reason he didn't say anything, if he did notice is because, uh, you know, no one wants to take their car in and then get towed over 50 other things you need to get done. Right. Yeah. That's like the so, one fear that everyone has. Like you take it in for your brakes and then they tell you, Oh, it needs a $3,000 overhaul. And yeah. Like, uh, right? Yeah. No, you're just selling me. Yeah, it's like don't try to sell me sixteen hundred dollar blinker fluid. I probably don't need it. Exactly. And so yeah. it's yeah, it's well, like this. Yeah. The situation with the bleeder screw, don't take it back there. I took automotive in school. I graduated with my diploma in automotive technology. I learned that in grade ten. I was sixteen, seventeen years old. Sixteen yeah. years old when I learned how to bleed brakes. And that's like elementary school thing. The fact that he says he didn't know that either means like if he said he just forgot this different, but he said he said he didn't know. That's different. That's just really incompetent. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Either as I was kind of thinking too, I'm like, okay, but if there's a screw and that acts as the valve, and the valve bleeds it, if you leave it off, yeah, it just it just seems strange. That's all I'm saying. Like, I'm not sure if they were just trying to take me for a ride, or if they're if they were just trying to like, um, or if they just you know genuinely. Um, didn't know, like, I, I don't know. I don't, maybe they're busy, but I just, I just felt uncomfortable. Me and Emily both felt uncomfortable. So we took it to a different mechanic and hopefully everything is good. But yeah, so that was like, like that just happened today. And I was like, I thought it'd be a little bit less than that. Cause he was talking about a link and I looked up the link looks kind of small, but he also had to replace the arms and the realign arms. the front. Yeah. The control arms. Yeah. So those are kind of expensive too. But... Alignment. Yeah. Those are expensive. So you, so this, you're vibing with everything I'm saying right now, as if you yep. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, okay, so, yeah. so that's like normal wear and tear stuff. It is very normal wear and tear. Yeah. So that happened. I mean, you know, like uh, I'm just thankful that like a thousand dollars is way less than a new car. Is the way I looked at that it. It's true. And also, it sounded like, and it's even hearing from you about it's just normal maintenance. And I watched some YouTube videos about it too, and it, yeah, it sounds like normal maintenance, especially for the climate that we're in. So I guess it's something that we just have to live with. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just glad that we found what the issue was because I was so worried. We hadn't heard it for a couple of days and I was so worried that they were going to find, we weren't going to find anything and we just go back on the road and we just started hearing it again. So, and everything give thanks and all that. Mm -hmm, definitely. Um, but yeah, other than that, my week's been pretty good. Justin, how about yours? My week was good too. I had uh, another couple jobs. Uh, detailing cars and that went really well i keep having for some reason i'm randomly choosing the hottest days of the year to clean the cars uh so i cleaned it again and it's like 38 degrees out and i was out there for five hours dying, nice dying in the sun uh but hey i chose this so i can't complain uh it went really well i got a tip and everything which i was surprised about so it's going great so far i still have a lot of work to do there um I saw family on the weekend. That was nice. And I actually had a good amount of feedback from my work yesterday. I, For like a first time in a while, I had this like one-on-one -on -one meeting with my, with my boss. And she gave a lot of constructive criticism to me, which was extremely helpful. I love feedback. Uh, even if it's like some stuff was a little bit more harsh. That's, you know, it's like, oh, shoot. You know, I, I guess I should really work on that. But it's harder. The higher up you go, in a hierarchy, the less compliments you get, the less feedback you get. It's more just like you're trying to figure it out. So when you do get feedback, I take it very seriously because it's not often I get it. Yeah, for sure. So uh, it was great to hear. And it was also great to hear strengths that I didn't know I had. So that was that was really nice. Um, she said I was very adaptable. And she said I can. she can really throw any task at me and I'm willing to try it out where a lot of other people are kind of stuck in their ways and not willing to try new things. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that. Oh, that's kind of cool. 
didn't even know I did that. Excellent. So, um, yeah, it was great. So overall great day. I mean, I had food poisoning today. <laughs> yeah. So, what happened with that? I mean, I ordered Chinese food yesterday. I'm, oh, okay. So I've been home today, which is nice. So I had some rest and uh, getting ready for the podcast today. So can't wait to get into the podcast. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. You're feeling better, right? Yes. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Got all and, my pukes uh, out. <laughs> all right. So I guess we'll be reading starting from verse 19. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. We did this through Christ Jesus, freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and not punished those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what we would he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight, and they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Hmm. Wow, NLT is so different than NASB. Like, completely i couldn't fall i had no idea where you were <laughs> yeah it works like when i read a verse in not and then i read it in the nesb i get that as it's grasping the over like the concept the it carries over the concept and idea pretty well but it loses all the subtle nuances you know yeah. what i mean well there are many times, to study. there are many yeah. times when you read nlt that i can follow along but with this section i was like i do not where Ooh. are you <laughs> okay so for the first one it says, I'm just going to read for the NESB. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed, and all of the world may become accountable to God, because by the words, because works. by the works of the law, none of mankind will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes knowledge of sin. Hmm. So just like we talked about last time, uh, we have broken like every law except one. And actually, many people have even broken that that law, the thou shalt not kill. Because um, by basically applying the same logic, like Emily pointed that out to me when she listened to, I think, I don't remember if it was last episode, the episode before, where we talked about, um, like, oh, we've committed, like, uh, we've committed adultery because we did it in our hearts, basically. Right. Um, in that same passage, Jesus also talked about if you hate a brother, you're still committing a sin. It didn't directly say if you hate a brother and you committed murder in your heart because that because I think if uh, lusting after a woman in your mind uh, is committing adultery in your heart, then I think envisioning and fantasizing about killing your boss, you're, you're killing your boss in your heart. Or harming it's your boss or something. Yeah, it's probably the same thing, but he probably he wanted to get a broader, more general view more of applicable. sin, so he didn't he didn't say that he just said yeah. hate he's like so hate of any kind he's like it could be murder and then the same logic applies to be murdering him in your heart so many of us have even committed all all um have broken all of the commandments then mm -hmm. um like many of us have yep. so yeah definitely i think yeah i don't know yeah. now have i ever thought about killing someone because i hated them i don't i don't think so <laughs> but I, i'm i'm i don't i don't yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I'm I don't. Not... I don't think I have either. But I can act like when I hear certain 
individuals and the amount that they've hurt someone I care about that I haven't thought about, you know, they'd be better off not here. Now, mm-hmm. maybe maybe you could try to argue that'd be a justified anger, but that's the only thing I can think of in that scenario. So maybe we haven't. But either way, we have we have broken pretty much every single law that God has. Yeah, given. I've definitely hated before, and I've definitely been angry oh, yeah. enough to want to hurt someone. So, yeah. Yeah. I would say that's kind of in the same ballpark. But anyway. So, yeah, it's basically saying that, you know, like, we're all under the law of God. Despite you being a Jew or, or a Gentile, um, there are certain laws that were in place for the Jews and just the Jews in the Bible. But God's laws apply to all of us. Uh, we can all try to hold to that law. We all, well, I mean, we all should try to hold to the law, but we are going to constantly break it, as we were just talking about. Like, it's going to happen every single day. And it's actually crazy to think about sometimes. I, I look at the end of the day and I just think, you know, can I actually think about the day, but the situations where I sin today? And I start with step one. I go, step one, oh. I was already rude to dad, huh? Well, that wasn't a good start. Step two, oh, 30 minutes later, I did this. And I was like, wow, the list gets pretty long, pretty quick. It's constant. And I sometimes it's subconscious. I don't even realize what I'm doing and I'm doing it. Uh, but so we're going to be constantly breaking the law. God knew this. Jesus knew this, that we would be and that we'd always fall short. Uh, but he put those laws in place for a reason which we'll read into the next session section as to why that is. But he needs us, he put it there so we can understand sin and what it is. Like we constantly read in the Old Testament, this is what you should do. This is what you should do. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. It's putting the understanding of sin in place for us. Uh, but then it wasn't until Christ came where he, then he said, this is what it looks like. Because this is what you always, this is what I have set for you as to what you what it should be. This is what you can't. This is how you should live. This is how you should grow uh, the, uh, these plants. This is how you should live your life. But then it wasn't until Christ came that we actually saw that as an example on earth. This is what everything I've been telling you about, about this perfection that I want you to reach, this is what it looks like in person, is this man of Jesus. Yet they still, uh, they still didn't accept it, even when Jesus was here. Yeah. Because that last section says that for his sight, through the law comes knowledge of sin. And I talked about that a bit in the last episode. That law is just the knowledge of sin, but it doesn't actually do anything for your salvation. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. Yeah, you can't actually be saved by... Well, you can't actually... Um, <laughs> I was watching this YouTube video of uh, Frank Turek talking. Oh, yeah. And... Um, he actually had a pretty good run one-liners about this. He he said something like, "He's like, well, you actually can make it to heaven and be right with God through works." He's like, "It's totally." It's he's like, "You can, and you can you can you can do it by obeying the law. You just have to obey it perfectly and be a perfect human being your entire life. <laughs> it's too late for me. How about you?" Yeah, like yeah. It, it was just That's like true. this. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good one-liner. It's like, all you have to do is be perfect and never sin once. <laughs> Boom. Easy. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Now, I sucked at it, but maybe you can do a little better than me. <laughs> all right. Uh, verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. But it is the righteousness of God through faith in Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. Yeah, it was prophesied in a few places in the Bible. The one, uh, the verse that comes to mind is Isaiah 53, verse 11. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all of their sins. Well, we just read, right, that uh, in the first section that there are none that are righteous. There's no righteous person, no one who understands. There's no one who seeks out God. They've all turned aside. Together they've become corrupt. There's no one who does good. There's not even one. So all of us are unrighteous. None of us are deserving of forgiveness. None of us are deserving mm-hmm. of of a life. Uh, we deserve wrath and we deserve judgment. Uh, but because God is so righteous, because he's the exact opposite of us, he gave us the opportunity to 
to be justified and to be forgiven. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think um, there's another good one-liner that I heard from Frank Turek, which was something like, uh, he's like, perhaps the best way to answer the question, do bad people go to heaven, is just to say, only bad people go to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no well good people in heaven. He's like, they're, or well, now they're good, but like, they've all been bad people. It's like, not one of us was deserving. To, it's only through um, his grace and forgiveness that we can make it there. So to tie off of what you're saying about how everyone in heaven is technically bad, another quote I heard was uh, from Ravi Zacharias, and he said that Jesus didn't come onto the earth to make bad people good. He came onto the earth to make dead people live. He didn't, he didn't come onto the earth so that we would now be saints saints and and like Jesus in a way, although we should strive towards that. He came here so that we could have another chance. And like, what's the way I say? Like you, uh, when you're baptized, you have a new body, you have a new life in Christ. And that's what he came to do. And through that faith in Christ, right? And it's specific. It says faith. Through faith is what we're saved by. It's not of works. It's through faith in Christ. And that's not some word that you say. It's a dedication. It's a commitment. And it's a change of your life and change of your heart is what God's looking yeah. for. He's after our hearts. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. Yeah, it's not even like... I don't know, man. Like, it's not even like people have this idea that like Christians... Uh, we pre like um, we're a bunch of hypocrites because we say that you should live a good life and then we don't. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't want to be that guy that says do what I say and not what I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the same time, that's kind of what you have to be. Like, I can say that. Yeah, you should never let your anger overtake you and 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 swear and yell or something like that. But then I might do it one day, you know, mm-hmm. and. Does that make me a hypocrite? Um, I don't know. Am I saying that I'm not doing it? I think that's kind of what, what would make me a hypocrite. If I said right. that I have never done those things and I do them all the time, Yeah, maybe that's what I, makes me a hypocrite. And you're holy. I'm above you, but yet here I am living the same way. Yeah, I've heard that, like this argument where it's like, well, I don't want to keep stealing. Literally all throughout that video, he was just like a bunch of one-liners. <laughs> he was doing an interview and like the people, and during the interview, people were just like uh, throwing, were basically trying to, because he's been doing apologetics for a long time. Oh, yeah. And they're basically trying to like come up with like uh, devil's advocate arguments that they think would might come from a campus because he's always going to campuses. Yeah. And so he's obviously had a lot of time to prepare for a lot of like really common ones, right? And so one of the one ones was just like, well, I say the church is full of hypocrites. And why should I come down the church when it's full of hypocrites? And he's like, Oh, well, you know, there's always room for one more, so come on down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, because he's like, we're all hypocrites. He's like, we all um, we all don't live up to a moral, moral standard. If that's, if you're, because that a very, the very fact that you would assume hypocrisy assumes a moral standard. And he's like, and we all don't live up to, a, to. We don't even live up to the moral standards that we create on our own. Like, yeah, that's that's the thing he was saying. He's like, so, and he's like, I guess that means we're all hypocrites. He's like, the church is not a place for saints to congregate. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's a place for, it's a hospital for the sinners or something like that. I forget the last part. Anyways, so. And starting now at verse 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus whom God displayed publicly as appropriation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in God's merciful restraint, he let the sins previously committed go unpunished. Mm. That last section I want to quickly focus on, God's merciful restraint. He let the sins previously committed go unpunished. And obviously the 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 most common used analogy for God is a righteous judge. Cause I mean, he's described as that many times in the Bible, but I'm trying to think of a criminal in a court case, let's say like the, the high end, the high court, and he commits heinous crimes deserving of life in prison or death. 
and he like everyone's there to watch and you see a man who's so guilty everyone knows he's guilty but the judge looks at him and slams his gavel down and says that you're free of all charges so people might look at that and say well you know he doesn't deserve that though he deserves to be punished and you would be correct he we are we are that guy we are deserving of punishment we are deserving of a second chance he gave us a clear standard he said this is how you should conduct your life and we all failed every single person went against him and we went for what we thought was best and yet for some reason god said there's a way out and if you accept my son this free gift salvation is yours and he did it out of the lovingness of his heart it's hard to picture that in real life because a judge i mean i've seen really good judges i forget the name of the guy but he's a very popular traffic uh the judge deals with traffic incidents on facebook you see all the time older gentleman and someone will have a situation and they'll get a speeding ticket but then they'll describe and they're like you know i'm a, I'm a veteran and uh, I was rushing to do this thing. Like they'll describe a situation where like, huh, you know what? Like I can kind of understand why he's sped in that situation. And the judge will look at him and he'll say, all fines dismissed. And then the guy will just start crying. And he's like, I, I can't believe what I, I went. I was speeding though. I'm admitting I sped. And he says, yeah, but I look at your situation and I understand why he did that. And most judges wouldn't do that. So like that guy goes viral for a reason. Cause he's so, he's a good judge. And Similar to that, God is an even better judge because none of us are deserving of that that he, what he gave us because we've all fallen. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And we are deserving of judgment. We are deserving of punishment. Yet, out of the kindness and graciousness of his heart, he gave us the ability to one day be with him in paradise. And it's merciful restraint. I like that. Because in God's merciful restraint, he let the sins go unpunished. That's just really interesting wording of that. Yeah, it's probably pretty hard for God to see all of his creation constantly sin. You constantly disobey him. And it's literally all of his creation, right? There must be a certain amount of restraint in that. But he said it's merciful, which is, and he's compassionate too. And he understands that, unfortunately, we even though we were responsible for all of our sin, we can't really help ourselves. Um, we're all imperfect and we all will sin. And that's just, we're kind of stuck that way. Unfortunately, that doesn't give us, I mean, I think uh, in Romans, it, this is a kind of all addressed to where it's like, it's like, okay, well then should we sin more? So like his grace may increase. And the answer mm -hmm. is no, we still have a responsibility not to sin. Um, obviously, and we're, we should strive to be like Christ, even though that we will anyway, because that's the right thing to do. But anyway, okay, so reading from, I guess I just read the rest of 26. For the demonstration that is of his righteousness at, a pre at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You know, sorry, going back to 25, it mentions whom God displayed publicly as a propetition in his blood for the faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in God's merciful restraint, he sins, he let the sins previously committed go unpunished. Uh, a couple of questions. Well, okay, I'll quickly just say what a propetition is. Propetition, how... Uh, one person describes it. I've, I've heard people say, uh, when I try to look it up, it means to calm something where there was once anger or like reconcile something where there was once chaos. Um, like it's translated into mercy seat here, which was the gold lid on the Ark of the Covenant, which was the place for the transference of sins and reconciling of God uh, via the sprinkling of blood. So when he says that, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. Propiti um, propitiation. Propitiation. Um, that's what he's saying. Mm -hmm. The other thing he said, 
His righteousness, because in God's merciful restraint, he let the sins previously committed go unpunished. What do you think it means when he's talking about sins previously committed? I guess, I don't know. I just, I just read that as he, he won't punish you for the sins that you committed before you gave your life to Christ. Like previously, previously committed would be just past tense. The sins that you had committed are now wiped free. I just thought it was saying the things you did beforehand. Yeah, that's probably what it is. I think I was probably reading too much into it before. Yeah. But anyway, the section you read about the blood, um, when God displayed publicly his appropriation in his blood through faith. Well, I think the reason why that's kind of emphasized is because we constantly saw in the Old Testament how sacrifice was what was needed um, to kind of wipe the slate clean of their forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, which we talked about in a previous podcast. I think it was when we were talking about Philippians, maybe, or Hebrews. I can't remember. Hebrews, yeah, yeah. Well, it, oh, yeah. This kind of helps. The Old Covenant kind of helps with our understanding of sacrifice. Oh, definitely. I wouldn't be able to understand it without it. it. Yeah, so it makes it easier to understand. Like, he's even using the language here, right, as a propitiation. Talk about the mercy seat and all that kind of stuff. He's using that to help the people understand. Um, Amanda, a man named Woost uh, that talked about the definition of propitiation said, the word in its classical form was used of the act of appeasing the Greek gods by a sacrifice. In other words, the sacrifice was offered to buy off the anger of the god. Uh, The NIV translates propitiation as sacrifice of atonement. The Living Bible has to take the punishment for our sins. Reading that from Enduring Word. So... I mean, yeah, we, we read about not long ago in Hebrews when we're reading about the Ark of the Covenant and and what sacrificial blood meant and the connection between that all and how one day there would be a sacrifice that would wipe the slate, slate completely clean and it'd be permanent, the permanent sacrifice. And we read that, uh, that how the Messiah that ended up being Jesus that was prophesied all over, all mm-hmm. over the Old Testament came to be Christ. And I was listening to a Mike Winger ser- uh, sermon today on this. And he said that th- when you read the Old Testament and then you see that character, Jesus, in the New Testament, it's like when he walks around, there's an, a million arrows pointing right at him saying, look, this is the guy that we've been talking about this whole time. Yet people still were trying to pretend like it was not him. It was the Messiah. Yeah, I might actually be wrong. Speaking of Hebrews, I might actually have been wrong about my definition of what it meant that of Jesus, what Jesus fulfilling the law meant, because there's other parts in the Bible where it does talk about fulfillment of the law, uh, Jesus fulfilling it, and it's it seems to be referring to that he was just perfect, so he fulfilled the law in the way that he was the okay. only one that could fulfill the law. Right. Um. So it it may be that. Um. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. But anyway. So yeah, and um, with the old and the new covenant, so there's this um. The Odin and New Covenant reminds me of this, like this bridge that uh, I can't find for the life of me online. And uh, basically, it's like this: on on one side, there's this country that people drive on the right side, and this other other country people drive on the left. And so it's like they had to find a way to make them work together because they they were trying to make a highway. And so what they did was they, they engineered this bridge that it's got these always kind of loops in it and stuff like that. And basically as you drive through it, it, it puts you on the right, the correct side of the road, whether you're going to or from. Um, and so uh, Jesus was like that connecting piece between the old and the new covenant. It's like there needed to be a transitioning period. You couldn't get to the new covenant without the old. And without the new covenant, then the old was, useless because that was the whole point but something needed to connect the two and, and that was jesus hmm. that's good i like that all right and reading from 26 for the demonstration that is of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in jesus where then is boasting it has been excluded by what kind of law of works no but by a law of faith for we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since indeed God who will 
justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. The NOT says, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. Right. So it's not of anything that we have done to earn salvation. Because, I mean, I've talked about that, and uh, maybe this is a topic for sometime soon with our topical uh, podcast we'll have coming out, uh, coming to do with pride and the pride month and everything. But not to talk about that, but to talk about pride is that that is one of the seven deadly sins. And to me, there shouldn't you shouldn't boast and be proud in something that you have not earned or accomplished. So by being boastful of of salvation is silly since that's not something that you earned. You didn't sacrifice anything. Christ sacrificed. He gave you salvation. So you should be humble and practice humility and boasting in it is not only arrogant but it's not right because there's no justification for your for your pride. I I do believe that the word pride has kind of two definitions. One of them is right and one of them is wrong. Because if I say I'm proud to be Canadian, that is Canadian pride. But I think that's a different definition than me saying I have pride in a sense of something I didn't. It's hard to explain, but that's for another topic. That's interesting. There's people that would disagree with you, actually. But I don't know if... Um, I just don't think pride or being proud is actually the right word. I think we should use a different word. Well, that's just it. It's like I've heard people say that, no, I'm not proud to be this because pride is a sin. Or, um, I think it's a, and, I think it's a definition error. Well, that, that's just it. It's like I, I do kind of wonder because I'm like, okay, pride is a sin, like literally in every sense of the word. So, is it wrong to be proud of your son? Exactly. If your son like, scores his first touchdown, my dad was proud of me. He, that's not a sin. Yeah, so I, I think it's just what Bible meant by pride was probably different than how we use the word today. Yeah, that's what I think as well. But uh, I don't know how exactly it meant it. I assume it just means hubris. Yes. Um, so, you know, just thinking you're all that, I guess. Arrogance. But, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Actually, that would be interesting to do a podcast yeah. on that. Yeah, we'll dive into that another day. Uh, but... But yeah, so in that sense, but where, could where you then, even say them, by your own logic, could you even say that you're proud to be Canadian because you haven't earned it? Yeah, but then that would get into nitty gritty of me saying, well, my ancestors have earned it, and people that I know sacrificed for it. Like I could say, I can make the argument that my grandparents and my cousin who served in the army, like they, they did for me. But then again, that might fall under the same definition of this. Well, it wasn't me. It was Christ. It was God that gave me. Mm-hmm. Uh, God gave me that choice, the chance of salvation. So then, are we to say that we're not proud to be Canadian? We're not proud that we live where we do and we have the rights and freedoms that we do. I just think that's just like, well, it's a different type of pride, is how I would describe it. But yeah, for sure, I do like here that, um, like, getting back on. Like getting back on topic, I do like here how it says that we can't boast about anything that we've done to be accepted by God. That's just, I don't know. I haven't heard that a lot, but it's, I like it mm-hmm. because it's just like, you haven't done anything. He's like, God is the one that's given you grace. He's like, you're not supposed to boast in anything but in him. That's it. It's like, you shouldn't brag about how skilled you are in this or how good you are at that. Or what you've done that one time, or whatever. It's and like, is that not think... is that not what Christ did too? Like when Christ healed some guy, did he just start flexing on everybody and say, "Yeah, that's right, I did that." Did you see it? He actually told them to not tell anybody. Uh, now, part of that was because his time had not yet come to tell everyone that he was the Messiah. But I also think it's just because he was practicing humility, and bragging is not something that you should practice because it gets to your head and you become arrogant. And selfish, yeah, and self-centered. So even with this, you could. It sounds like a weird thing to brag about to some people, maybe. Like, but it it could easily turn into something where you could be bo- being boastful of your salvation could turn bad pretty quick. 
Because he could turn into the, I'm mightier than you. I'm holier than you. I'm better. You're going to hell. And I I am above you because I found the way and I found the truth. And that could easily turn into arrogance. Yeah. I am a better Christian because I speak in tongues. I, I mean, that's next episode. I, never mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it says, uh, for we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Another distinguishment there about being saved by faith apart from works. So it is accepting of that that gift that God gave us, that Christ gave us, that saves us. So that's, once again, that's not something you earn. That's not something that you should boast in. Are you saying that Christian perfectionists are wrong? Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes, I am. Do you think maybe that. that they should read the rest of Romans instead I, of that one verse? Yeah, yeah. I think if anyone builds their theology around one or two verses, they should probably not <laughs> and read the whole thing and oh, then okay. try to gather their opinions off of other parts. But, I mean, a lot of people are guilty of it. We do it sometimes without even realizing. Uh, so, moving on. Uh, or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since indeed God, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, is one. Also, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that the Jews were chosen because they were special, like that they were um, did anything that was worthy being chosen. Mm. So it's like God just chose them. I actually kind of wonder why specifically. Um, you know what? I think it was because of certain God-fearing people that were in the bloodline. Am I right? Mm, yeah. Just like, uh, you will just yeah. have a, a lot of people after you. But then you also but, notice how much the Jewish people have struggled with God. I mean, it's literally their name. Israel's struggle with God is the, de- is the definition. So it's constantly been a battle for the Jewish people. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not like the Jewish people. I'm glad I always remain faithful to God. Yeah. Always. I never fall back into sin that I've committed before. Neither have I. Ever. Obviously, obviously we're being sarcastic. Uh, so it's pretty obvious that the Bible and his, and the Bible was given to the Jewish people. Like it was the Jewish people were used to create the story that we read today. And the miracles were given to the, the Jewish people to see, right? They, they chose, God chose Moses and God chose Abraham and God chose Isaac. God chose Jacob. He chose these strong Jewish men. Um, and also these weak Jewish men at the same time, like they were, they were sinful and they, not a single one of these people, if you actually look at their lives, if you were to judge it based off of their actions before God, would you say were these righteous men, were these holy or even close to perfect men, but God chose them for that reason, actually, because they were Mm -hmm. unrighteous and he threw them, uh, was able to tell the story of the Bible that we see today and give us lessons and give us give us the law and give us the foundation that we need for the New Testament and through the gospel. And Christ would use all of those stories that we read. So it's available to both the Jew and the Gentile, his righteousness. Uh, one is not better than the other in his eyes because for all have sinned and fallen short. And obviously at the time that he's writing this, he's writing this to a people that definitely yeah. did not think that way. The Jews definitely did not think that the that the Gentiles were following God and that were chosen by God and that he, the God chose the Jewish people. He revealed the word to them, the covenant they follow. You know, it's the Gentiles are those pagan Roman citizens and they're not deserving of God's love. And on the flip side, Gentiles might view the same way of Jews for that, seeing all the ways that they disobeyed God and why are they deserving of it? Well, he kind of just clarifies here to say, well, guess what? None of you guys do. I know Jewish people have chosen you since the beginning of time, and I know Gentiles that I've reached, that Christ reached to you through his miracles and and prayed and, and lived and dined with people that were Gentiles, but none of you guys are actually worthy of my grace. It's through your faith that you are saved, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. You need faith. If you don't have faith, you're not saved. So um, that's how they're justified. It's not through their bloodline, but through their faith. Yeah. I mean, 
it's kind of just pounding this message in all throughout this chapter. I don't feel like I feel like if I was to keep talking about, it, I'd just be saying the same thing over and over I was, again. I was really trying to word it in a different way. And finally, verse thirty-one: Do we then nullify the law through faith? Far from it. On the contrary, we establish the law. Now, what is that? Oh, yeah, that one. What does that mean? Let me quickly look at my. Uh, do we nullify the law through faith? Oh yeah. Okay, so it means. Um, uh, well, if you look at the NOT, it, it clarifies it. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does that does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. He's basically saying, mm -hmm. he's like, okay, well, if it's not by works at all, if it's only by faith, does that nullify the law? Does that make it, it oblivious? Does, yeah. does it even matter anymore? Forget about the law. Let's just sit as much as we want because it has nothing yeah. to do with it anyways. And he's like, no, but it's only through faith that we can truly fulfill it. What he's trying to say here is that we are imperfect. He's basically just using logic. He's like, okay, well, if the law is, he's like, I get what you're saying with that logic. It's like, well, if um, if it's not by works but by faith, then does the, the law matter? But he's saying the law is good. We are breaking the law. Therefore, in order to be saved, we have to have Jesus' grace and mercy mm -hmm. um, and accept salvation for it. And so if it's good and to accept it is to repent and to turn around and and follow Jesus, then we should try to try to fulfill it, I guess. I don't know. I'm not doing a very good job explaining myself. If the law is good and we're breaking it, and that's why we need his salvation, then that shows that the virtuous thing to do is to try to fulfill it, um, even though we can't. And here, I, here he's just drawing an analogy to, he's saying that the only way we can truly fulfill it is through salvation. I'm not really sure what he's trying to get at there. Um, it's like, I guess because we're sanctified hmm. <laughs> by the blood of Christ. Um, but I, I tend to think that becoming a Christian isn't just Lord, forgive me. And then living your life. It's Lord, forgive me. I'm going to follow you. Mm -hmm. it's, I'm going to do my best yeah. not to sin. And so in that case, I think what he's trying to say here is, um, in order to accept it in the first place, it's through repentance. It's not, I'm going to continue on doing everything I'm doing and just say that I believe. So it's like, you can't just, but that's, that's exactly what they would be doing here. They'd be like, well, if it's through faith and not by acts or works, then forget about works, forget about the law. And he's saying you can't because in order to um, be saved in order to have faith that requires you to repent and try to follow it because it's only because you broke it in the first place you're in the situation yeah and i i think i i, I like this last verse because it's still saying that kind of what you touched on that although the old covenant is no longer no longer applies that doesn't mean that now the law is voided and that we shouldn't follow what he taught us still because yes Christ gave us forgiveness, so the old covenant is done away with. But the law was there that we read at the beginning of this. Well, what was the purpose of the law? Well, through the law comes knowledge of sin. So although we're still saved, we still need to have knowledge of sin and what we can and can't do. And if we just go on living and sinning, even though we have no knowledge of the law, then, I mean, first of all, are we really saved <laughs> if we... If we are purposely not following Christ's commands and not trying to ask for forgiveness, not trying to change. Um, so we are saved through faith and works don't change that. But at the same time, we still need to realize that we are guilty if we commit sin. And that we read in the Bible that if we confess with our what does it say again? What's the exact wording of it? If we confess our sins, he forgives them and cleanses us from everything we've done wrong. This first John one verse nine. So we have to confess our sins and mean it when we say it and still follow the law because that law is that outline that God gave us on how to live a life like Christ and look at Christ's life as well. The law is very important 
and I we still should follow it. But at the same time, look at the life of Christ and reflect him in every way that you can. Um, because he is, the law is the knowledge and Christ is the example of the law. So let's follow that earthly example in Christ. All right. Any yes, could thoughts? not have worded better myself. In fact, I think I just cut myself talking about this verse completely out and just have you talking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that uh, concludes the podcast for today. That was really great. And uh, Romans is going amazing, uh, learning more and more each time. And the next time will be an interesting one. Whatever it is that we talk about Romans 4, we might have a podcast in between. Uh, but that one's going to be about Abraham's justification by faith. So that'll be an interesting read. Uh, so thank you all for listening. And I'm going to make a quick prayer and then we'll end it off. Dear God, thank you for being with us here today. Thank you for giving us the stories that you did through Romans. Let me quickly pull up Romans again. One sec. Fucking get out of here. God, uh, thank you for giving us your grace. And although we've all sinned and fallen short of your glory and of your standard, God, thank you for giving us that way out. Thank you for loving us so much that you would send your own son as a sacrifice for us, undeserved, so that we could go unpunished for our sins, although we are deserving of that. God, thank you so much for your mercy, and I pray that everyone here has a great rest of their week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's all I have time for today, guys. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We have a website, DisciplesQuest.net, where you can find all Disciples Quest activity aggregated. It's also where Emily releases her blog every Wednesday, so be sure to check that out. We also have a contact form there as well, where you can use to reach out to us on. And you can also reach out to us on the following forms of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. And be sure to send us your questions, criticisms, stories, or requests. If you would like to support this podcast, then prayer is always a good option. And we certainly can't get enough of that. But Patreon is the best financial option for support. Speaking of which, shout out to our Patreon subscribers, Brendan and Darlene. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And may God guide you on your quest to becoming a better disciple. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.